Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tired, and he had very beautiful taste in women's clothing. My mother's clothing was always quite nice. But he had terrible taste in men's clothing. He was one of those guys that wore stripes with plaids. He was one of those guys who wore, like, the same T-shirt nine days in a row and filthy and disgusting. I mean, and I would look at my father and go, well, how can this be? How can... How can you wear this? This is as I would go down to his apartment and slam a 20 on the table and say, turn the air conditioning on. As it was just so hot. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. This is why I have windows open in my house, even when it's 20 degrees outside. I just, I don't like it when it's too hot. Though your house gets warmer every single year and faintly smells like a Old Hallmark people. channel. Yeah, and, and yeah, but I don't, that's not my doing. I'm running around trying to correct that. I'm trying to be the anti gremlin in this whole situation. Essence of gazebo. Oh, God. Michael is here, six feet, one inches apart, properly social distanced. Um, I, I, I guess I should start by saying that I did not watch. Not one minute. I did not watch one second of the debate. I voted last week by mail. I assume it will be counted. I am not undecided. I know what I'm going to do. I didn't want to watch it because I just, it, it does not bring out the best in us. It doesn't. So I did not watch a second of it. Michael, you did. You watched 15, 20 minutes? No, I watched the first hour. I, I wanted to see what it, was, what it was like with the around the horn mute button. Yeah. And frankly, given that you, PTI, had your anniversary, yeah. I sort of figured you'd have reality just sort of come out of nowhere and throw the crinkled up piece of paper at the end of it. So, <laughs> um, so yesterday was the anniversary. We have now done 19 full years on PTI. 19 full years, which is... Remarkable on television to do the same show, even if nobody's watching, like nobody, it's still remarkable to do 19 full years. And I did, um, I, I, I was unaware of it. If you had asked me, how many years have you done? I knew the amount of years, but if you asked me what was the anniversary date, I actually thought it was in September. I thought we started about two weeks after 9-11. We didn't. We obviously started in mid to late October. But that's when, you, that's when you're doing the prep shows. Well, I don't even remember prep shows. I just thought we went on the air. In other words, every, the official history of the PTI show, I don't contribute to that because I don't, I don't get the dates right. I don't remember anything about it. I remember saying to many people it wasn't going to last more than a couple of months. I, I do remember that. Do you, do you remember what the target number for the show was in terms of ratings? If it gets X, it'll be a hit? Yeah, I do. Point three. It was point three. The show that we replaced was the Roy Firestone interview show that had been on probably for 20 years as well. Um, and that was just, you know, it, it, everybody got tired of that, including Roy Firestone, I believe. Although I'm, Roy Firestone and I are not close. Um, so they told us if you get a point three, you're good. Cause that's what he got a point three. If you get a point four, you're a hit. And then I added the line. If you get a point five, we'll carry you around on chairs <laughs> within a, within a year, we were getting a point eight to a one. So we were hit. Uh, and, and I'm the most surprised. Will Bond says he's never surprised. Maybe he wasn't, but I was the most surprised person on earth. Cause I, as I've said many times, we had two years guaranteed. And the third year at the option of ESPN. And I never, I was just happy we had two years guaranteed. I didn't quit my job at the Post. Mike didn't quit his job at the Post. We never thought it would work out. So it's all this many years. And, um, and it is now, for me, it, it's actually a career. It's an unexpected. It's an unsought. I'm very grateful for it. But it's actually 20 years, you'd say, that's a full career. Um, I, I'm not, in the minds of most people, not only am I not a newspaper sports writer, I never was. In the minds of most people, I've been on TV. And that's what I've done, is been on TV. And maybe they know about the radio, and maybe they know about this podcast, but it's mostly television. I got very nice messages yesterday, very nice, from, among other people, my friend Anthony Black, who works for Delta uh, Airlines, from Jimmy Crilly from Scott Sadler, who I played golf with, from Pablo Torre, from Luke Russert, from Mike Rizzo. And I got a phone call and a nice, charming phone call from Scott Van Pelt. And we chatted for about 15 minutes. Um, so, you know, how long am I going to do it? Well, as I said to somebody yesterday, 
um, to Bill Hoffheimer when he wrote, he, uh, he was the first person to inform me. He works at public relations at um, ESPN. He was the first person to inform me that it was 19 years. And I wrote, oh, God. I was going to retire today, so I guess I'll just retire tomorrow. It'll make it easier. Uh, and and he said, "Well, you can't retire." <laughs> Not, you know, but I mean, I do. I do think about it. I do think I'm old. I'm 72 years old. I do think about it, Michael. This is like this has been going on essentially My adult life. Yeah, your entire adult so, life. So you mentioned how long it's been. I, I went to college where the show had been on for enough years. Where it was, you common. entered college in two thousand four. In the two thousand four, so and we've been going, on. You're going down dormitories where people would come back. It was appointment viewing, and yeah. now you look at this. Your grandson came to your house uh, last week and went home and was in disbelief when we turned on PTI, and he just looks like hey, Grandpa Tony. I just saw him. <laughs> yeah, how's he here? Yeah. Uh, no, and you, you look at this perfect storm where the style of your show, you, you, you would never have considered yourself a TV person. Nor neither would Mike. But the way that... We were newspaper sports writers. The way that afternoon sports programming was evolving, which you guys started, the way that DVR was coming into its own, which was the, the perfect device to capture that mid-late afternoon show for when you got home from work. And then really when, when social media started taking off a decade into your show, people were actually interested in wanting that smart... Dialogue. I, I was reading some of the comments on the PTI Instagram yesterday, and, and people were just so grateful that you're not just another TMZ shouting show at each other, where even when you do disagree, and sometimes that's just for the show, the disagreements, but you're willing to engage and you're willing to, to meet across difference. It's impossible not to, to realize how important that is in this year. Um, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm, that's nice, and I agree with all of that. Uh, it never gets tiresome. It's tiring once in a while, but it's never tiresome. Uh, I love doing it. I love Wilbon. I love the fact that unlike other shows, Wilbon can say something and I can literally roll my eyes or roll my head and go, what are you talking about? And that's good. You know, we can do that to each other and he'll yell and scream. I don't care about your statistics all junk, you know, and I go, these are not statistics. These are facts. They're not statistics. Um, so that relationship is, is good. There's not, there's not an upper hand to that relationship. There are a lot of shows where there's an upper hand that, that, that doesn't exist with us. We've been doing well, this a long time. How many years did you work together at the post 20, even when he was the intern? Tw well, he was only intern for a year. I mean, he was hired the moment he got there. Everybody knew he was really good. So I got there in 1979. He was in the summer. He was an intern in 1979. He was hired full time when he graduated in 1980. So we worked, you know, 20 years together before we ever did this. And I used to make fun of him when I was writing columns. I used to call him like that Toddlin Town Wilbon. And, and he always had a good spirit about all of that. And we became pals. And, 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 and now we have this incredibly long-lasting career. And, you know, and then now the only question is, when do we get out? When do we get out? But thank you to the people who've liked the show and, and who wrote and, and said nice things. Um, I had one small thing to say, and Nigel, you're involved in this. Our pal, Wendy Rieger, I was oh, unaware yes. of this. I was utterly unaware of this. Wendy Rieger um, had revealed a few days ago that she'd had open heart surgery. I think it was valve surgery, right? I don't know the details of it. And she was yeah, going to go on right. television. She was going to go on television yesterday to talk about it. And I, I started to watch. But I stopped. I stopped watching because it wasn't her. It was Doreen Gensler talking about Wendy Rieger. And I knew I had to take the dog out. And, I, you know, I didn't have a lot of time um, about it. But I guess, she's, I guess she's well. When I found out about it, and I was utterly unaware, I left a message on her phone. And I, did not, I didn't expect her to either get it or, you know, respond to it. And she has not responded to it. But one of the things I said was, I bet you were the prettiest girl in the OR that day. You know, uh, yeah. I did say that. I, I, I did say that. that. But you talked to her or you texted her, Nigel? Yeah, texted back and forth. And I just, you know, said, hey, I hear what you're going through. I hope you, you're doing all right and recovering. She said, thank you. Tony left a great message on my phone. Love it. Love you guys. So, yeah. Just, and she's, yeah. she's out in, you know, her palatial spot in Rappahannock, 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 Rappahannock Rap County. Um, and, uh, you know, she's out there where her furniture's perfect. My God. I mean, she sits in the furniture. You just say, well, that was, that's so well decorated. I look at my own house. I just shudder at how awful. 
and how lived in it looks. And like, cause I know that like, there's You're two, ready to move out. There's two reactions that people have when they see me one lately as if they know me, they go, oh my God, you're thin. Are you ill? Are you dying? And the second is you live like this, <laughs> you know, you live like this. Well, it's changed. It used no, to be, no, just, you live where? And now it's, you live like this. You live like this. And I'm, 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 I've, I've provided enough money for my children. I'd really like to live nicer. I'd like to live in something that looks a little bit nicer. Do you remember I, Hex? I know, yeah. Hex. Do you remember the great story at Hex? We go there in the evening one day yeah. and the salesperson Hex, comes for up those to people us. who don't know this, let me just set this up. Hex was a prominent department store in Washington, D.C. It was a prominent. It was on the level locally of, you know, the local Bloomingdale's or Macy's or, or something like that. It was not on the level of a Nordstrom's you know, or a Saks or anything like that. It's a department store. Department store. You, but you're getting every, everything there from housewares yeah. to, to suits. And I went there for clothing a lot. We're, you're going there for clothing. For sales. You get the you get, you get the leaflets in the mail and you yeah. come home from work. Oh, Michael, we're going to go get you a shirt. Yeah. yeah. We're in the lower level. This is right by uh, Houlihan's. Right. We're, we're, Another We're looking joint. through the shirts and a salesperson just comes up to you and goes, are you Tony Kornheiser? Yeah, 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 I am. Why are you shopping here? That's, that's right. It was beneath me. It's like, well, you, you can't be, this can't be your golf ball. It's a pinnacle. You're not using a pinnacle. Well, I am because the kid stole my ball. Can I get so this I'm in using, a 16 and a half, 34, 35? Yeah. So, yeah, why are you shopping here? Huh. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we will come back with Jason Lockenfora. And we'll force him to talk about last night's Thursday night game. I have not mentioned, I will just mention this briefly, a critical game in the World Series tonight. This is critical. If Charlie Morton wins this game, Tampa's going to win because they've got more starting pitching. The, the, the only starting pitching that the Dodgers have are Bueller and Kershaw. They have to win four. As you've seen with Gonzalez and May, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So they've got – this is the critical game tonight. The Dodgers have to beat Charlie Morton, and Charlie Morton is unhittable in the postseason. He's like the third best postseason pitcher ever. Well, they didn't get ever. a hit off of Snell to what, the fourth or to fifth? To the fifth. Didn't get the a fifth, hit off yeah. till the fifth. All right, so, uh, yeah, Jason Lockin for when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Indochino ad. Um and it says, finding clothes that fit you just right can be incredibly challenging. I, I don't have to tell you this. I, I've, I've talked about my clothing lately. It doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit. Nothing I have fits anymore. If I put on my pants and I don't put on a belt and cinch it to like death level, everything falls off. So, <laughs> Nigel, you can explain what it's like to get a made-to-order suit from Indochino. Yes, fits me like a glove. Uh, it's fantastic. I will bring over the uh, yardstick and a piece of rope to measure you later today so we can get you your very own tailored suit, Mr. Tony. Uh, that's how I did it. You can actually go to a tailor if you want, but it will fit you so perfectly. I mean, and you're going to look great. You're going to feel great. And you can design the suit any way you want, the lapels, get a monogram, the interior, the jackets, whatever you want. They can do the design for you. It really is fantastic. And as Tony will tell you in a second, it barely costs you anything. It's a great deal. With Indochino, you get custom-fitted suits, coats, and casual wear at surprisingly affordable prices. Customize everything, as Nigel said, from the fabric and lining to the lapel shape and monogram. And since your order is made to your exact measurements, it always fits you perfectly, if you stay with those measurements. If you're getting married, Indochino is a no-brainer for you and your groomsmen. Forget off-the-rack suits that don't fit different body types. Indochino gives everyone a tailored fit. Order with ease and get it shipped fast no matter where you live. And with all the ways to customize, you can add a personal touch everyone will be proud to wear without emptying their pockets. The best part, Indochino suits start at just $299 with all customizations included. Visit one of the Indochino showrooms across North America or book a virtual appointment and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now, if you use the code... You will get $30 off any purchase of $399 or more when you enter the code Tony K at checkout. That's Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com, promo code Tony K. Use the code. You're listening, You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Chris Van Valkenburg, who writes, What's the difference between a trampoline and a banjo? You take your shoes off to jump on a trampoline. My friend Brendan Schaefer has been honing his claw hammer technique and has put out several albums. He has emailed you to get permission to play his music on the podcast. 
I think you guys will really like it. This is called Louisville Burglar. This is playing in Jason Lock and Fora. Banjo is great. It's Love the it. most distinctive sounding instrument. It's just absolutely great. Jason joins us now. I'll just start with this because it's local for you. And I know on your radio show, you probably had to talk about this, that Des Bryant is actually going to join the Baltimore Ravens. Is that, is that a real fact at this point? It, uh, it's trending in, in that direction. As we speak right now, it's not uh, official, but he's back in town. They're giving him another look-see. Uh, and remember, they worked him out. Jeez, Tone, probably two, August. two months ago. Yeah, right before August. the season. Yeah. Um, and at that point, you know, it, it wasn't, uh, no one was, was blown away. Um, he looked like a guy who could still play in the league, but how much of a difference maker, right? And we drafted a couple of receivers. Um, Boykin's going into his second year. We're going to keep him starting for now. And, and, you know, let's stay in touch and see where things go. Well, they, they badly need another um, element in the passing game besides Mark Andrews, their tight end, uh, and Hollywood Brown, their, their one receiver who really can get downfield. Um, and I don't, I don't think that this Des move, if they do it, uh, precludes them from doing something else at the wide receiver position, that they're exploring a bunch of different trade options. Um, but the thing about the, the, the expanded practice squads is now it just gives you a lot of flexibility. You can stash a veteran there. You can work them out and practice with them for two or three, four weeks, whatever it takes. And then, you know, at a certain point, you feel like he's comfortable with, you know, parts of your playbook or you think he's better than what you have in these packages or those formations then you can kind of, you know, start bleeding him into your offense and, and see where he fits at this stage of his career. I think he's more of a, a tight end type than he is really a guy who's going to win 20, 30, 40 yards downfield. I don't think he's going to hit guys with double moves, but he can make contested catches. He could be an interesting uh, target for Lamar in the red zone. He could probably still high point the ball. He knows how to box out. He knows how to use leverage. He can win hand fights. He's always been a strong a physical guy, and one thing he's always liked to do is get down and dirty blocking. Well, these guys run the ball a lot, and they expect a lot out of their receivers um, blocking for their, their running backs and their quarterbacks. So, uh, you know, is he going to be a game changer? I don't think so. Um, the other thing he provides is this team is incredibly young. Besides Mark Andrews, pretty much the entire offense is on their first contract. Um, they're all 23, 24, 25 years old. Willie Sneed is like 27. He's the elder statesman. I like Willie Sneed a lot. He doesn't have an NFL resume that's going to command people's attention. I, I think part of this move is getting somebody in there with a different energy, with a different set of experiences at a different point in his career and change that, that, that vibe up a little bit to bring another sort of dog into that group who's done some stuff in this league because the only guy is Ingram, and it looks like he's being phased out of the run game. I will say this, that um, for people who want small numbers on this, uh, Baltimore, with the explosive offense that they have, they have seven touchdowns from the tight end position. They have only two in six games, only two from wide receiver. Uh, they also worked out Antonio Brown, not officially, but Lamar Jackson worked with Antonio Brown and his cousin Hollywood Brown. Don't tell me they're going to look at him, too. Oh, I, 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 if they make the Des uh, move official, I don't, I don't know um, why they would you know, really spend any more energy on Antonio Brown, okay. bringing both those guys in would really sort of shock the system and death trap. Um, yeah, I just I, I would be, that would be a shocker to me. But like, do I think they asked about Adam Thielen when they inquired in Gakwe? Absolutely. Do I yeah. think they'll sniff around on Golden Tate on Marvin Jones, um, or maybe Brashad Perryman with the Jets, who isn't a big name but is a true burner, who they drafted in the first round. In 2015, it didn't work out here, but he looked good in Cleveland for a minute. He looked very good in Tampa. Um, yeah, I, I know that they are being very proactive and seeing what else they could do um, at that position. Let me get to a couple of things that happened last week that surprised me, just by the margins. Arizona killed Dallas, ran 260 yards on them. Tampa Bay killed Green Bay, ran all over them. I mean, I, this is... To me, this was very. Those games were very surprising. Should I be surprised? I think the the nature by which Green Bay lost, um, and and the quarterback really. I mean, they got their early lead, which is what they're all about. And then Aaron Rodgers literally handed it back in a, in a two possession sequence. That yes, he did. 
that's three unusual. passes, that's, two that, picks. Yeah, that changed the tenor of the game, and that allowed the Bucks to settle into their offense and do to the Packers what everybody wants to do to the Packers, but teams seem to not get there through game flow or through the scoreboard or through um, mismanagement. You, if you run on them with any volume, you can expose that defense. I mean, it's there for the taking if you want to take it, if you want to go that route. Now, when they're up 14 nothing at the end of the first quarter, it's very easy to talk yourself out of it. But um, it's not a very good defense. The pass rush, which looked amazing last September and October, you know, and it's, it's Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. Their production's way down. <clears throat> the overall pressures are down, and they still can't stop the run. And, and that's why I've always kind of looked at them with a little bit of a jaundiced eye, um, because if they don't win the turnover battle and if they are trailing in, at halftime, um, I don't think they're going to come back on a whole lot of people. Uh, the other game didn't really surprise me at all. Dallas is Yeah, they stink. Dallas stinks. I mean, the defense does nothing except occasionally – Get some sacks. Like it's, it's, that's really all they seem to want to do. Um, you know, I mean, Alden Smith might, I don't know, he might mess around and lead the league in sacks. It's really not going to matter how many of those sacks affected games led to wins. It's kind of like what they do on offense. It's a whole lot of passing yards that are largely hollow because a lot of it was acquired after the game was in doubt. And um, when they really need a play in the fourth quarter in close games, it's generally not there. Uh, so this all that talent. Yeah, this leads me to something interesting. The Philadelphia Eagles in their last two games won against a good team. Didn't win, but we're in a position to tie against Baltimore. Yes. Yes. And last night, they're down a lot. 21-10, I think they're down, or something like that. And they win the game. Carson Wentz looks terrible for three periods yeah. every single game. And I know Wilbon hates him, just thinks he stinks to high heaven, but the last two games in the fourth quarter, Carson Wentz has been money. What do we make of that? I, 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 Carson Wentz was really a one-man army against the Ravens. He could, they could not protect him at all. He got hit 16 times. Um, he got sacked a ton. They were starting an offensive line that consisted of you know, Kelsey and four guys who collectively, I think, had been in eight NFL games. Um, and he kept bombs are wet like he would find a matchup he liked and they started going after Marcus Peters and he was taking an incredible amount of abuse to try to pick up chunk yardage and and it kept working um he made huge plays with his legs uh is is his decision making still a little off yeah and and is part of it the offensive line and lack of protection yeah and is part of it him trying to do too much too often yes absolutely but that's his football team they're going to run away with that division. They have their bye, and they're coming. They're, they're going to be as healthy as they've been in a long time. Ertz still won't be back. Sanders probably still won't be back, but Jason Peters will, and Dallas Goddard will. And that last night was sort of a preseason for a lot of these guys who have been hurt most of the year, um, like Deshaun Jackson, who then got hurt again. But uh, they will have more options at the receiver position, and some of the guys they have there are developing, and Howie Roseman is maybe the most aggressive GM in the NFL, and he's going to trade for a linebacker or do something else to help that football team before the trade deadline. And I think that team finishes 500 or above, and I don't think anybody else in that division wins more than five games. Okay, good good to know that. By the way, um, the World Series ratings were – terrible the nba playoff ratings were terrible the nhl playoff ratings were terrible how have the nfl ratings been so far yeah the last few sunday windows have been um pretty strong you know even compared to recent years now uh, you know across the board uh i think things are a little down uh but everything's down you know and there have been some interesting studies just about overall sports consumption and where eyeballs are going and turning to because of the pandemic, because of, you know, an election that uh, seems and feels like none other in the recent history of this country, um, because people are scrambling to figure out, you know, how can I work from home and how can I navigate my kids through school and some are virtual and some are. So I think if you view it through the prism of where we are right now and how different 2020 is from anything we've ever seen before. Right. The NFL 
is doing incredibly well, especially compared to other sports, and it's still winning the night on Thursday night and, and Sunday night, um, in many cases by wide margins. Um, is it where it was in 2015? No, but I don't know if we're ever going back there just because of how much the landscape has changed, even just with technology between now and then and how many more people stream now and how many people are um, just consuming in different ways. Uh, let me get to um, a game this week that there's a fabulously interesting small statistic. Pittsburgh and Tennessee will play. Since the merger, this will be the sixth time that teams with records of 5-0 and or better are playing against each other. In the previous five games, or in other words, 100% of right. the time, the winner of that game went to the Super Bowl. <laughs> went to the Super Bowl. When you look at Pittsburgh and Tennessee, do you see that? I mean, I, I don't think it's out of the question for either of those teams right. to represent the AFC. Um, go I, through I, Kansas City, go I through Baltimore. Yeah. Yep, yep, um, no doubt. But the, the Titans now, we're, we're like over a calendar year with Ryan Tannehill at the helm. It is a robust uh, big boy offense. The running back uh, picks up an extra 50 yards per game just by having Tannehill's presence there because you have to respect the downfield pass game. You have to respect play action in a big way. Um, you have to worry about A.J. Brown and these guys beating you for double moves and him putting it on a dime. Uh, they, they, they can score points, and they can do it in a lot of ways, and it's not just you know, ground you and pound you, um, although that, that is you know, ideally what Mike Rabel would like to do. But um, I love the offense. I'm still not sold on the defense, but there aren't too many teams that, I, that you, know, you feel like are truly balanced right now. The Steelers might be as balanced as anybody. Uh, and it looks like David DeCastro, their all-world guard, is going to be back for this one, and, and he hasn't really played much football this year. Um, I'm interested to see that offensive line. They have got a little long in the tooth in some spots there and how that holds up. But Ben has looked very good. They need a secondary receiver to step up besides Claypool. Juju Smith-Schuster's kind of been a passenger. Um, Washington seems to catch a ball you know, every two or three weeks, but, but that's really it. You see him show up in one splash play, and then he, he hasn't. No one else has really gotten integrated regularly into the passing game. Um, and their defense, they, they lost, you know, their central nervous system, their middle linebacker, Devin Bush, that torn yeah. ACL. Um, you know, next man up, okay, this, this guy Spillane, I don't think he could possibly be close to the athlete that Devin Bush was. And then and, and the Titans don't have their left tackle, Taylor Lewan, for the rest of the year. Um, does that start to affect them as the sample size grows? This will be an old-school game. You know, they, these are two um, bare-knuckle teams. Uh, I lean to Pittsburgh because I do think they're a little more balanced, and I, I have some issues with the Titans' defense. But these teams are both legitimate, and if either one messed around and won a few games in January and got to Tampa, um, I wouldn't be shocked. Okay, that's good. Jason, plug your, plug your radio show as we always want you to do. Thank you, Tone. If you need more Des Bryant talk in your life, trust me, <laughs> we will have several segments of it today from 2 to 6 on Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. You can listen to us there. You can stream it at 105.7 The Fan. Or if you're out of market, you can uh, stream it live anywhere on the radio.com app. Copper gives it three barks for what that's, that's worth. That's great. Yeah. Thank you, Jason. Talk to you next week. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Bye-bye. It's, uh, it's, he's remarkable. His depth of knowledge, his ability to call up whatever he needs right on the spot to tell you, to give you context of any For the entire it league. It, it, yes. It's just, he just knows everything. It's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Let us take a break. And when we come back, do we have um, Jeff Ma when we come back? Am I correct on that? Yep, that's right. Jeff Ma, wonderful. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Uh, this is the Bespoke Post ad. This fall, as you get back into the swing of things, Bespoke Post has a brand new seasonal box of awesome collection for guys. Guaranteed to upgrade your life. Michael, what are you using? Last week, you heard me talking about the Alchemy box. A little scary at first, but now I'm really interested in the Over Easy. They send you a new cast iron skillet, which would be worth it alone. But it includes some pancake mix for those fall weekends. Wow, so you're going to start cooking pancakes. Well, yeah, we'll see. Would you make sourdough pancakes with you your could, starter? You could, but you could uh. do some other breads in that skillet as well. 
Whether it's gear to upgrade your autumn craft beers or cozy threads for when the temperature dips, and that should be happening within a week or two, Bespoke Post only sends guys the best stuff every month. No matter what you're into, Box of Awesome has you covered. From style and grooming goods to barware to cooking tools and outdoor gear, Box of Awesome has collections for every part of your life. To get started, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right Box of Awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It is free to sign up. You can skip a month. You can cancel any time. Each box only costs $45 but has over $70 worth of gear inside like that skillet. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and you enter the code TONY at checkout. Enter the code. That's boxofawesome.com. Code Tony for 20% off your first box. Don't say, oh, I don't need to enter the code. That's sort of, you know, it's just not uh, they know me classy. Here. No, enter the code. This, this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, Brendan Schaefer playing the banjo and singing for us. This is called Mole in the Ground. Brendan Schaefer, S-H-A-F-E-R, brendanschaefer.com. You can hear his music. Michael, if original artists like Brendan Schaefer want to let us use their music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. Are we selling anything? Haven't asked in a while. Yes. Go check out the TKQZip code at Johnny O, where you can get the official shacket that Tony wears when he walks the dog. Which is nice. You oh, it's even, beautiful. You and said as, you liked it. And as always, go check out uh, shop.tonycornizershow.com, where Rob is happy to take your order. Okay. So Jeff Ma joins us. Jeff had eh, nothing much week last week, two and two. He's 14, 13, and 1, but I do have from Jim Flynn in Colebrook, Connecticut, this particular email. Tony, I have diagnosed Jeff Ma, and he has what I found to be TJI, or Temporary Jets Insanity. One key (laughs) sign when he says, quote, I see value in the Jets. If he does that again, I suggest you organize an intervention. Your reaction to that, just off the top. Uh, No no Jets this week. Unfortunately, the, the they don't seem to be very good. Um, no, it, it, no, they aren't very good. They've <laughs> got, they're the worst team in the league, statistically and visually. They're the worst. Yeah, well, I, this, this happens, right? And when this happens, you you will end up seeing value on the Jets. I'm, I probably am going to wait until Arnold comes back because Flacco does not seem to be much more than a corpse. So I'm probably staying away from them. <laughs> Right. Until they get Darnold back, but I'm, I think when Darnold gets back, there'll be some value on them. Actually, you like Darnold obviously more than I do. I think he's terrible. I mean, I just think he's terrible. Well, where do we stand on Wentz these days? Oh, it's it, it's interesting you would bring that up because we just had Jason Lock and Fora on, and we talked about Wentz. Wentz is terrible for three quarters, but in the fourth quarter, certainly of the last two games. Wentz has been Superman, so it's hard for me to be dismissive of Wentz. How about you? Uh, no, I, 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 you know, the, a couple of weeks ago we talked, and you asked when do they when do they pull the plug on Wentz or when should yeah. they? And and my thought is that the guy still has a ton of talent. I don't know what's going on, like you said, in the first three quarters of the game, but certainly that last throw to Boston Scott and the catch was insane. Yes, he's five foot six. He's five six. You don't usually see that. All right, what kind of games do you have for us? All right, we're going to take. Uh, we're going to do six games this week. Uh, we're going to take Dallas plus the one against Washington. Um, obviously, this is a, a pretty big reaction to what people saw on um, Monday night, where you know Dalton did not look like he had it. The the Cowboys did not look like they had it, and and they you know got blown out by Arizona. But this opened at Dallas favored by three and has moved to Dallas now getting one. I just think it's too many points. I mean, I don't know how Washington should be a favorite against Dallas in, in any situation. And I think Dalton will end up being fine. I think people had the, the thought last last going into last week that he'd be fine. And, and I didn't really see that much to, to deter me. I mean, Zeke put the ball on the ground twice and, and Dallas's defense was not great. And, and Murray made a bunch of plays, but um, I like Dallas plus the one here. Okay, what else? I'm going to take the Lions plus the two. I think if you like the Lions, maybe watch this game because it could go up. Um, but I like Dallas, Detroit plus the two against Atlanta. 
Uh, you know, obviously Atlanta had a great game last week, surprised yes. everyone um, beating the Vikings and playing really well. But Detroit has been a team that they've lost to, you know, two good teams and they lost to, to a Chicago team who's obviously better than people think, but a game they had won and, and they've won their other two games against bad teams. So I expect against a bad team in Atlanta, they're going to win this game. You won with Detroit last week or the week before. You've been on Detroit before and last, you've won with last it. Last week against Jacksonville, they, they dominated yeah. that game. And so, yeah, it's definitely a team I'm looking to back right now. Okay, next. I'm going to take the Browns minus the three against Cincinnati. Um, again, just a, a testament to, to this line being too short, the Bengals not being a very good team, um, and, uh, you know, struggling a bit offensively. Obviously, people like Burrow. The only question here is, is Mayfield and his health. Um, there are some concerns there, but I, I think this line's just too short. It's hard to, hard to pass up taking Cleveland here. So yesterday on PTI, we did a happy anniversary to a college game in which Mayfield and Mahomes played against each other. And the, the offense was insane. It set records all over the place. Most combined yards by two teams. Most combined yards by two quarterbacks. Uh, Mahomes threw it 88 times and gained 734 yards and then rushed for 85 yards. It's like the greatest performance of all time. At that point, Mayfield was far better known. Mayfield had gone to Texas Tech and left and had actually, if I had the research right, had hosted Mahomes in his official visit to Texas Tech. I don't know that you even know this because it's, it's outside of the bet the process thing, but your sense of, of how far Mahomes has come uh, and, and what you see in Mahomes, what, when you watch him, what do you think? I mean, his skill set is insane. Like, we've yeah. never seen a quarterback that's been able to make throws that he's been able to make. And, you know, I think, after his first year as a starter, th- there was just incredible, you know, talk about him. And I think the, the the interesting thing is we've had all these other quarterbacks come into the league that have that sort of athleticism, but his accuracy and his ability to buy time on plays and then make the throws he makes. I mean, I, I think he's the best quarterback in the league. I would take him. I would take him over Russell, which is which right now is probably the only the only person that's close. Yeah. Okay. All right. What other games? Uh, I'm going to take New England minus one and a half over San Francisco. This one's weird. New England opened over a field goal favorite. It's been bet all the way down to one and a half, although New England looks like they're going to get a bunch of players back this week. Uh, some of the offensive linemen and, and some of the defensive players. Um, New England obviously was terrible last week. And yeah. hopefully there are many reasons for that. Like well, in COVID, practice, not practicing. Yeah, yeah in practice, players yeah. and San Francisco going into last week. I mean, last week you said they stunk, and they yeah, but they beat like, the Rams. Yeah, yeah, they played well against the Rams, but they really just held on in that second half. Right, the first half they kind of surprised them, came out, did a lot of you know they did a lot of sort of misdirection and tried to get to the edges with Evo Samuel and get the ball to Kittle, and so. I think in this game where they've got to travel all the way east and, and you have a New England team that, that, you know, like in this, and this is sort of the ultimate Belichick-era game versus Brady-era game. Like in the Belichick-Brady era, this would be sure, for sure be a game the Patriots would dominate and bounce back. So without Brady and just Belichick, are they going to be able to do that and keep that pattern going? Okay. And what else? you got two more. I'm going to take Jacksonville plus the seven and a half against Chargers. Um, obviously, Herbert's been great so far this year, and, and people have high expectations, but he's still a rookie quarterback, and, and uh, seven and a half is, is a fair amount of points for a team that doesn't seem to ever be able to, you know, blow a team out or even keep their victories. I mean, the team, the Chargers could easily be, what, four and one right now, but they're one and four. Um, and so giving seven and a half points to a Jacksonville team, which is not great. We talked about their, you hated them last week. You thought they were slop. They, they are, but they, again, (laughs) the the point spread is the great equalizer. (laughs) Seven and a half points is just too many points for the Chargers to be giving. Okay. What else? And then finally, we're just going to take the, um, Seahawks minus the three and a half against Arizona. Even though Arizona had a great game against the Cowboys, they actually 
did it all kind of on big plays. Their, their success rate, which is something that people look at, like the ability to basically convert third downs and have, have play success, was very low. And it was really just the big plays and the turnovers that made them dominate that game. And I, I think against the Seattle team that has rest, you know, the rest, the rest is, is, has value. Um, and Arizona's off a, a short week. I, I think this, is, this plays very well into Seattle's hands to, to win this game comfortably. All right, so if people tune in to bet the process, they can hear about this and college games as well or just pro games? Uh, usually college and pro. We didn't, I don't think yeah. we did any college this week because we had a guest, but yeah, we, we do both typically. I was able yesterday to attack Wilbon on this sainted Big Ten and all of the moral superiority of the Big Ten about how they're going to protect all their students. And now with the biggest outbreak of coronavirus in the entire country, they're just going to dial in for the dollars and start their season again. I knew you'd have been proud of that. Well, Corona's only going to be, Corona's only going to be around until, what, November 3rd. So once, it's, once November 3rd's done, everyone can just play, right? <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right. It's going to disappear. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. Okay. Jeff Thanks, Ma, buddy. boys and girls. Um, and again, the name of the podcast that he and Rufus Peabody have is Bet the Process. I have a little extra time. I wanted to talk about something that was in the paper today, and the paper for me is the Washington Post. Uh, the Capital Weather Gang, they're usually pretty good, right, Michael? Yeah. They're good. So Jason Salmonell wrote a piece in which he asked one, two, three, four, five, six, seven weather predictors. I mean, I don't know how you become... I don't know why you have to go past Kip, but... Sure. Yeah, I was going to say, where's Kip on that list? Ask seven people, meteorologists, I guess they're meteorologists, what the outlook for snow would be in Washington. Now, last year, we had virtually no snow. We had less than an inch of accumulating snow. We had some conversational snow. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it was so, glorious. Yeah, so it was so great because it, it really crushed Chuck Bell. Nothing for snow angels. <laughs> really crushed Chuck Bell and it crushed <laughs> Melissa Molay. She couldn't take her kids out in the snow, you know, and all of that. It made me happy. Uh, because I don't like snow. I don't like to walk the dog in snow and fall and break a rib, which has happened to me. I don't like it's that. It's personal. Yeah, I don't really like snow. Conversational, attractive, Hallmark yeah, Channel Instagram gazebo snow. snow is fine. But shovel snow, no good. So there's a guy named uh, Joe Bastardi who predicted 10 inches, 10 inches of snow, which I can live with. Todd Crawford of the Weather Company, which is owned by IBM, predicted seven inches. This is all more than 10 times what we got last year, but not terrible. Which is still nothing, though, over the course of a three or four month no. snow period. Judah Cohen of Atmospheric and Environmental Research predicted nine inches. Paul Dorian of Perspective Weather, Perspective Weather, this is scary. He predicted 20.5 inches. Any wraparound Alberta Clippers in there? 20.5 inches, saying many signs point to colder than normal conditions this winter across the northern U.S., including the mid-Atlantic region, and the virtually snowless winter of last year is quite likely not going to repeat itself. Paul Pastelock from AccuWeather said 10 inches. 10 inches. I could probably live with 10. Matt Rogers of the Commodity Weather Group said 10 inches as well. And Dave Toleris of WX Risk. I don't know what that means. He predicted 22 inches. He says it's a mistake for forecasters to solely rely on La Nina in their outlooks and that other factors support a snowy forecast. Notably, he says, warm ocean temperatures offshore in the Pacific Northwest are, quote, dramatically different from anything I have seen over the last 20 years, unquote. If these warm weather, warm waters persist, um, Toleris expects a zone of high pressure to build over the western United States, which would cause the jet stream to dive south and east. Quote, this would favor below normal temperatures and a stormy weather pattern. But with the La Nina, most of those storms still stay north of the mid-Atlantic. Well, that's what, not what he's saying. He's saying it's going to land. I'm just, I'm just saying what the experts. Well, these guys are experts. So, so, Nigel, how do you feel about this? I mean, everybody's predicting substantive snow though only two people are predicting crazy snow yeah well the guys the blokes that are you know oh it's gonna be 22 inches i think they do that just to sort of hey look at me it's gonna be a catastrophe this winter and the others right. i mean 10 inches it makes me angry i'm like you I, I want conversational snow i want it lightly falling outside my window maybe gathering on the lawn and that's it i don't want it on the road so 
Um, don't want to no, know loads. I, I don't want to shovel. Like I'm not allowed to shovel it. I haven't been allowed yeah, to shovel, shovel it for twelve years. You want sweepable yeah. snow? Sweep snow. I, th- sweep what snow. I, want. I think. I think with everything, you know, we've got to see what what the the model show for Kip, and we're sort of drawing close. Maybe maybe get him on in the next, you know, month or so to get his accurate prediction for us. But um, no, I, I I see in my crystal ball two inches or less. That's what I'm predicting. Predictions of ten inches over the course of the entire winter. It's not terrible. These are these are nothing. It's not predictions. terrible. No. I want someone to say we're getting a blizzard. And we're getting it here and now. <laughs> Well, that's what now, Kip will give you. For the boys, I would <laughs> yeah, like one. I want one snow where at least I can roll the hammer up into a little snowball and have his brother push him around, throw yeah. some snowballs at them. Uh, but nothing that's going to actually, nothing that's going to turn parking into on my street into more of a mess than what it already is. Are you going to come here and shovel me out? Well, I'm already here for set times a week, so yes, I have a feeling I will. That would be great. I'll, ice, I'll ice for you. That would be early and often. Yeah, I, that would be good. <laughs> okay, uh, we're good. So we will take a break, and we will come back with email and jingle when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag, got your email faxes and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag, gonna read some for all you folks. Thank you, Gary. Nigel, why don't you do the Bethesda bagel ad? I miss Gary. Uh, yes, I, I know you didn't watch the debate last night, but the one no. thing that every candidate agrees on is that Bethesda bagels is great. You'll love them. We love them. Go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location nearest you in the D.C. area. We've got the bagels and cream cheese. And long. Did you did, did your microphone just kick out? Sean, did we lose Nigel? I think we did. So then, wow. the rest of the bagel. Well, here, no, this is important. This you. is from Alex Cloninger or Cloninger, the assistant professor, Department of Mathematics at University of California, San Diego. Why do you always sound surprised? Dear Nigel, why do you always sound surprised when Tony asks you to do the Bethesda bagel ad? It's not like he asks the same thing at the same point in the show. Every single show. I'm so reading anyway. from the script. I'm reading from the script. It says, answer Tony in a surprised voice. That's just what the script oh, says. Yes. All right. All right. Then that'll just about do it for us today. But before we get to the mailbag, I just want to say that your day breaks, your mind aches. You find that all the words of kindness linger on when she no longer needs you. She wakes up, she makes up, she takes her time and doesn't feel she has to hurry. She no longer needs you. That is as good a song as Paul mm-hmm. McCartney has ever done. That is that is just it's for no one. Right. That's the name of that song. That's right. Just a yeah, fabulous song. Thanks to our guests today, Jason Lock and four of CBS Sports and to Jeff Ma, host of the podcast Bet the Process. Thanks as well to Bespoke Post and Indochino, who sponsored us today. And remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. Let me get to some email here from Will Shensky in Silver Spring, Maryland. I'm sure you've heard the famous Shecky Green joke about Sinatra. Remember we mentioned Shecky Green a couple of shows? But maybe some of your listeners haven't. Shecky used to tell this joke. Frank Sinatra saved my life. Five guys were beating me up, and I heard Frank say, that's enough. (laughs) It's a great story. Shecky said it was a true story, and there were five guys. Roland Denny writes in, I was working in the Silver Spring area Monday morning, and I too noticed the low-flying helicopters. I was also curious what they were doing flying so low repeatedly. Do you think they could have been looking for the naked guy walking along Grub Road? Boy, you got to be with this show a long time to remember that. Goes way back, yeah. From Gary Muckenthaler, or Muckenthaler, Maumee, Ohio. Your recent references to your at-the-turn payday bar brought to mind my father's 40-year ritual of always sliding a Zagnut bar into my golf bag whenever it was my honor and privilege to first caddy, then play golf with him until his passing. I don't mind telling you that your simple references brought back an avalanche of memories of golf played and Zagnut bars shared at the turn with my hero. While I also love payday bars, the question remains, what is the best non-chocolate candy bar? Easy. After forgetting to put a fresh bar in your bag for your first round of the year, it's the one you find in your bag unopened from the previous year. For me, it will always be a Zagnut from my dad. From Eddie. I played golf last Friday. I had a payday bar at the turn instead of my usual hot dog. I was hitting the ball well on the front and continued to play well enough to have my best round of 2020. Payday bars will now be a staple at the turn and hot dogs will have to wait for Fenway or barbecues. I'm 58 years old. When I turned 50, there were parts of my body that I never paid attention to previously. My eyebrows, nose hair, ear hair. They're now growing like wildfire and require constant grooming. About two years ago, my feet went from a size 9.5 to an 11 wide. 
Finding fashionable shoes that fit and don't make me look like an old man with Velcro strap shoes is a challenge. I heard about the great deal for the Bass Earl Boaters on your show and they had 11 wides. I ordered a pair. I couldn't be happier. Tell your sales guys to contact the Hershey Company and GH Bass and sign them up as show sponsors. From Josh Hurth. He says, attention, Mr. Anthony Irwin Kornheiser. Wow, hurtful. Respectfully, Josh Hurth, executive VP of Ball Quality Pinnacle Golf. Not really in parentheses. (laughs) From Al DeLuca in Griffin, Georgia. A few years ago, I was playing golf with a customer in Evansville, Indiana. It was a nice course, but an older one with lots of parallel holes. Hit my drive to the right of one hole into the light rough. As we were approaching the hole, the group playing the next hole was departing from the general area of my ball. We could not find my ball. Needless to say, we assumed they could not find their ball and hit my ball. Two holes later, we're on a green getting ready to putt. I bend down to mark my ball. I hear a thud. I look up. My customer is on the ground. His head is bleeding and a ball is rolling to my feet. I pick up the ball and go to aid my customer. We stop the bleeding. We're headed for the hospital. When I look at the ball, it was my ball. So not only did they hit my ball instead of theirs, they proceeded to hit an errand shot with my ball and did not yell four to warn us of the oncoming shot, incoming shot and hit my customer in the head with my ball. My customer was fine with a couple of stitches and he continued to buy from me. So all good. You cannot make this stuff up. Ryan from Mercer, Pennsylvania. So you had to play Pinnacle instead of Titleist? And some was actually Taylor made. And some millennial stole your ball? <laughs> what a shame. Maybe Louise Glick could write a poem about it. <laughs> and from Jeff Jenkins, G E O F F. It says, Ask Nigel how to pronounce it. I was saddened to recently learn of your disdain for Jeffrey Chaucer. Having been named after him, I've endured almost a half century of the butchering of my name by Americans and other English-speaking people, particularly in the South. Now I must endure the scorn of the host of my favorite podcast as well as yours. It is my sincere hope that you look the other way and acknowledge the greatness of the man as the equal to Shakespeare. I don't know if he was the equal. He was great. I just, I had some trouble with Thoughts him. on Spencer? Um, not in that league. Not in that league. From Mark Corriera Corriere in Ellicott City. One of my favorite parts of the show is Reginald the Monkey Picks. Over the last few weeks, listening to you and Michael sing Reginald's theme song, I'm convinced that either you both have the worst possible rhythm ever, or there's a pretty substantial tape delay in what you are hearing and singing. You are both off consistently by about two seconds singing this song. Sean, is that true? Are we delayed on that? Um, it's more like a half second, but yes. <laughs> wow, I wish I wish no I had explanation. Known that. I wish <laughs> well, I had known it's that. so when I play it, it gets recorded immediately. It's tripped to you, and then your voice's subsequent trip back here takes time, and then it gets recorded. So we shouldn't probably sing along since we're not actually singing along. I think it's rather wow. charming. Sing along at home. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone is always <laughs> to wear white. Come on, man. What are we doing out there, man? <laughs> Put me on an east 
eastbound train one cold December day. And as we left the station, I could hear the people say, Yonder goes that burglar for some great crime, I know. For some great crime, other boys to prison, he must go. Oh, 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 
Thank you.